Let's be clear, Detective Freeman. When I f you over, you'll know it. You'll be so goddamn certain you won't need to ask the question. everybody welcome back to episode 197 of goddammit mhq this one of your hosts neo and joining me always is uh soul bros soul bros say hello what's happening everybody yeah and if and if you're at your house right now and the clouds have rolled in and the crows are are squawking then you know yes you've read the twitter the evil overlord himself is back <laughs> chris <laughs> Up, this <laughs> <laughs> tyrannical rain has come back oh, for this episode only. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am here to judge and ban everyone who disagrees with me. Yes, exactly. You're banning people right now, aren't you? I think you were telling me that off air while we wait for sober. I, I, I ban people in my sleep, that's how good I am. Oh, man. Nothing so is changed, just, just amazing. So so how's things been, Chris, as, um, as you've gone into semi-retirement with uh, Gundam and still fully employed by MHQ and retired from Chaos Theater? How's the, well, how's the world treating you? MHQ is still MHQ, so, you know, those robot profiles aren't going to write themselves. So <laughs> nothing's really changed there. And, <clears throat> you know, coming back, this is my first time recording in almost seven months, mm. and... I I definitely missed this part of it. I did not miss the homework part of yeah, it. Yes. And I did not miss having to check for Skype updates. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I was like, god damn it, I gotta I gotta reinstall Skype. Fuck. Uh, oh you took it out, really? Yes, wow, I you, took you, it were, out. you were definitely retired for podcast. <laughs> it's like fuck sure, it. Take a Skype out. <laughs> I, then I, I, I opened it up and it's like, ah, oh, shit, this is the Windows 10 version. I want Skype Classic. And then I had to go download it. And then and go through the that old uh, dog and pony show of, yes, I want to install Skype. No, I don't want Bing or MSN. <laughs> you got to be I careful. I want this. <laughs> Those pitfalls. <laughs> it's like, oh, I did not miss this part of things. You <laughs> sons of bitches. And then, and then you but log back I, Thinking you're thinking everything's good, and then it tells you it needs to update again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, um, it's good to have you back, and uh, definitely going to have you back for um, kind of a, something that we were doing before you had left. Uh, so, um, episode what? Uh, this is what episode six of yeah, the f- Gundam: The Origin episode six, Rise of the Red Comet. Yes, sir. Yeah. So yep, um, I gotta wrap up uh, that series because uh, for those who don't recall, 
when I announced my retirement, it was a semi-retirement, and one of my stated goals was to come back every once in a while to wrap up things that we were already in the process of reviewing before I left, such as Gundam yeah, The Origin. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, the, Chris, Chris, had a, Chris sent us, uh, his lawyer sent over his contract, saying uh, <laughs> that that was going to be stipulated, and then if there was anything that he thought was cool that he... <laughs> yes, and and twenty pages of writers, including yes. uh, steamed hams, delivered to my residence immediately. <laughs> steamed hams, and, and only yellow M and M's, only yellow, yeah. and only red lifesavers. <laughs> <laughs> because those are the best, aside from the coconut ones. There you go. So I'll be popping up every once in a while to uh, talk about some things that we were reviewing before. So you you will hear me uh, here and there, and also for uh, a certain big number episode that is coming up at some point. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah eventually, a good old eventually. episode episode uh, two bills <laughs> to be continued, man. Uh, we're right around right, the corner right. from it though. Rich, I think if you took all the specials we did, <laughs> we're probably we're probably what about three hundred? We got to be well over three hundred, right? Not the the quite that much, but but probably like closer to two fifty. Is it? Wow, that seems like we've done more specials. I've lost that. track. Yeah. So. But anyway. All right. Well, good to have you back, Chris. Uh, Solbro, anything as I'm sauntering over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio for some. Neo's listener submitted news? No, I, if anything, uh, I'm, I'm excited to find out what's happening in the news space. Oh, man. So, uh, if you ever have any news that you'd like to submit, always go to the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mechatalk forum. Oh, this first one goes out to you, uh, Solbro. I'm actually oh. dedicating it to this. It's sad news, but oh, it's no. actually uh, I, when I read about it, I, I thought of you. This comes from Yazi88, and this is from earlier uh, in May, May 17th. It looked like uh, Hideki Saijo, the singer of Turn A Gundam's iconic opening, Turn A Turn, passed away at the age of 63 due to acute heart failure. Oh. Um, Turn A Gundam was one of the two animes he sung for, the other one being Chiba Makarun-chan. So, um, I... I guess you got to play that 21 times, huh? That opening 21 times tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it, it 21 some, times. Uh, for once someone knocking off uh, that's not lung cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually all these guys, it's lung cancer, which is ironic because they're all voice actors or singers. <laughs> always, but yeah, you're right. That's a great catch on that one. Yeah, they always are uh, lung cancer. But Yeah, man, uh, that was a... That's was, a- that's a great theme, man, and uh, I'm sorry to hear that he's passed. Man, you don't like Century Color? Oh, the guy that sings Century Color is still alive. Don't see? fucking get me started on Century Color, it's, man. Ugh. It's the healthier, it's oh. the healthier turning on the open. Yeah, I guess that guy's living right. <laughs> but guys, what about the guy who did? The ultimate Gundam opening theme of all time, Wings of Words. Wings of Words <laughs> <laughs> will never be beaten. <laughs> but I wish that guy was beaten. <laughs> Wow. That whole group. Ugh. Remember, remember watching that once and said never ever again. <laughs> Quickly <laughs> S- slide <Skip>. to the- <laughs> slide that bar. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Get like, that shit what? out of here. <laughs> kind of wish I, I kind of wish somebody was filming me when I was watching that the first time. I'm like, oh. But uh, thank you, Mister Yazi88, for your submission. 
Oh, the next one here comes from Ryder Caputo, and it's he's got oh my god a, a robot apocalypse double header. Oof. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, we all know about the Boston Dyna- Dynamics robot that can jump over obstacles, um, can run, jump, balance, and backflip. Yes, I, I studied the YouTube videos of that. Um, it's dangerous, and of course, you know, with that games like that Detroit thing where they're trying to do robot love. Um, it's, it's the brainwashing that's going on. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and he's got another one here that comes from CNET and looks like making improvements on Boston Dynamics, quote unquote, hunter killer class robot currently named Spot. Yes, the Robo Dog. I guess he's, um, yeah, I saw that one too where he's going through the building and he's kind of, um, without hitting walls or obstacles. But mm-hmm. so basically, the Terminator is going to have a robot dog to chase us down so but will it still slip on banana peels <laughs> that is true <laughs> it's one of the greatest we videos need i've ever to seen make sure if we need to take all grass and just get rid of it and just put tile floors everywhere <laughs> what we need to do is neo i think you need to uh submit into the the record of the robot tomes all of the classic cartoons yes because yes. if these killer robots can slip on banana peels. Then we need to do have we need to have things like uh, conveniently placed garden rakes and yeah. you know pots and pans and all these other things. And we need to study all of these old cartoons. All the, yeah, all the old um, Warner Brothers. Cartoons. Yeah, you're aside, right. Aside from all the racism, and, yeah. and look for <laughs> these tactics, these time honored tactics that work especially against cats. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so I guess we, I know what I'm the, doing this weekend. The, the book of Tom and Jerry says. <laughs> in, in the first chapter of Tom, in the book of Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> place rakes all in a, in a circular area. So as you step on one, <laughs> you go to the next one, you step on another one. Because I think that happened to Tom. <laughs> Um, All the time. In, in the chat, Seafull says, buy stock in Acme. Not a yeah. bad idea. Not bad. Sure. It, it says we um, need... We they need... had quality products. They always <laughs> had quality products. Yo, shout out, shout out to Ed Crimson who says, we'll need gallons of Nickelodeon slime on hand to fend off the robots, especially the robot dogs. We just watch them slip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know what? Yacht CD8 mentions a book of Hanna-Barbera, so what we also need mm-hmm. is an... Uh, Domestic house background on infinite repeating loop in the back to confuse the robot. Right, exactly. That too. Take with the take with the bedrock. So I guess it's I guess it's off the boomerang for me for all these classic sh- cartoons and Amen. stuff. Yes, you need to subscribe and and get this essential it. knowledge and share it with the world. Just don't just, just don't read the forbidden book, the book of itchy and scratchy. That, that's that's a little too much. <laughs> See, and you know what? Now I can tell my parents you were wrong. All that stupid crap was very important to watch. <laughs> now I know. Thank you, Tex Avery. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tex Avery. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Nickelodeon game shows from the eighties and nineties. Thank you, Chuck Jones. <laughs> exactly. You saved humanity. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great, great call, great call. Ryder Caputo, thank you for your submission. Oh man, but he follows up with some. Oh, yes, I was proud to hear about this too. 
the human resistance news. The 3,000 Google employees that were that urged the company, well, that kind of stinks, not to work for the Pentagon, but uh, not to use uh, AI uh, on drone, drone warfare. So, um, yeah, that we, we we definitely, I think we... I think that's good because we still need to have this conversation about AI. It's kind of like self-driving cars. As we're seeing, that technology's just not there. And if you can't keep my credit card numbers safe, exactly. I expect to keep my uh, car from riding off the freeway overpass. So, <laughs> But uh, thank you, Mr. Ryder Cabuto, for your submission. Oh, uh, Chris. Oh, yes. Do you have your pre-orders go? Wow, or you don't need a pre-order, but this would be nice. Gazi eighty-eight, Babylon five coming to Amazon Prime in June of this year, this month actually. Of um, I haven't checked. I haven't gotten any. I haven't gone on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I haven't uh, checked it out. I might get my wife to watch it because she's never seen it. But for any B five fan, you should check out. If you haven't seen it recently, J. Michael Straczynski's Twitter feed, hmm. because for the last couple of weeks, he has been dropping uh, truth bombs all over the place Ooh, about really? the like production of Babylon 5. Some of this stuff might have already been known. Like, uh, I did not know up until just a few days ago that one of the people they were considering for Sheridan was James Earl Jones. Are you what? serious? Yes. What? That's wild, dude. Can you, can you imagine? Holy crap. Does that blow your mind? Would James Earl Jones would have been down to do TV at the time? Well, you know, they were considering him, so obviously yeah. he must have to, to some degree, but yeah. uh, maybe he didn't want to sign up for a multi-year show. But, you know, not that Bruce Boxleitner wasn't great, but, man, yeah. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones Holy. would have been something. Maybe they thought it would have been too similar yeah. to Deep Space Nine since they had already had a black lead. Um, and a uh, kind of guy who has yeah, a he's, basic he's voice. Hispanic. But James Earl Jones. What's that? Who James? He's was it James Earl Jones or? Oh, oh, you, oh you're, thinking, James... you're thinking of uh, uh, Edward James almost. We're, uh, we're, oh, we're, we're talking about yeah, the voice of Darth crossing. Vader. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, you get, you get. Too many Jameses here. Too many. We're talking, we're talking about James Earl Jones. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry. The other cool James. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway. Still, uh, that would have been cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was talking about, um, people asked him and asking all these questions about why isn't the show being broadcast anywhere and, you know, why isn't there a Blu-ray and why isn't there blah, blah, blah. And for those who do not know, Babylon 5 was produced back in the days of syndication. Yep. And it was a um, different subdivision of Warner's called the Primetime Entertainment Network. So they usually did... Um, like reruns of stuff, these syndication people, but then Babylon 5, along with some other shows, like Kung Fu the Legend Continues, were new shows, but they were developed outside of the normal uh, group at WB that did TV shows, and some people were very bitter and butthurt about that, and now 20 years later, are in high-ranking positions, and basically have told Straczynski that... uh, they're so butthurt about this that they're just going to bury those shows and never let anybody see them or do anything with them or continue them and fuck you. God, wow. That's, a shame. that's such a shame for such pettiness. Oh, my yep. God. He didn't name names, but the fact that he even said that much is a, is incredible because you know, obviously he's at the stage in his career where 
he he's care. known enough and he's done enough that he doesn't care. I mean, he's been yeah. in medium. Uh, he's working with Netflix now. Sensate just wrapped up mm-hmm. and he's got his autobiography coming out next year, which he said will have a lot of new information that he's not talking oh, about. Yo, I smell, I, I, I sense a whistle being blown real soon. <laughs> Uh, also interesting that, uh, and he's talked about this a lot before, but he is still bitter with Paramount about Deep Space Nine. Oh, shit. Because oh, is they, they stole his concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, real, yeah. If, if, if you look beyond fanboyism of one franchise versus another, you cannot look at DS9 and the basics of yeah. its plot and not say that they just copied. And that's not a knock on some of the people who work on the show later. It's not a knock on the actors. It's not a knock on anything that that show accomplished. And yes, it did go its own direction. It ultimately was um, somewhat different from Babylon 5. But like just the similarities between Cisco and Sheridan Sheridan. and these big intergalactic wars. And it's just, you just cannot. Multiple, multiple alien races and. Yeah, yeah. You just you just can't not see the similarities. It's unavoidable. Yeah, if you if you break DS Nine down to its simplest components, they're very similar. Very very similar. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mass Effect ripped off way more Babylon Five than DS Nine did, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. And what is it? Imitations the most sincere form of flattery. flattery. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, I could see why he'd be mad about that, especially with his this show being buried. Because I'll tell you this: if you get a chance to watch this, and if you have Amazon Prime Video, go. Yes, the special effects are bad, and some you know whatever. But the essence of the show and the story, you're not really going to find too much that's better out there. And I would probably say a lot of this good um tv that you have especially on the science fiction fantasy type stuff that you're enjoying now mm-hmm. probably owes a little bit of it to uh, Babylon five. 5 yeah because every every show with a continuing arc now in the last yes. 20 years owes that to b5 doing it long before anyone else and man a lot of stuff in b5 uh sadly probably more relevant now than it was in the 90s oh shit yeah. <laughs> president clark oh. and all that craziness Oof. Oh, yeah. i'm gonna say all I'm going to say, yeah. but you know, check out JMS's Twitter feed. A lot of interesting um, stuff there about Babylon Five, plus random tidbits about other things he worked on, like the real Ghostbusters and yep. stuff. So uh, it's it's a wealth of information if you're a fan of his works. He, he also, he's got he's he's got quite a varied career, doesn't he? He's, yeah, he's yes, got it all over the place. Not only did, not not only did he co-write uh, uh, Marvel Studios Thor, but he also made an appearance in it too. As a as a as an extra, truck I believe. Driver. Yeah, truck driver. Yeah, yes, he was in that as well. So yeah, Mike J. Michael Straczynski. He's, he's had he's had an amazing career, man. I, I, I now that he has that autobiography coming out, I have to check that out. I'm interested to see what he has to say about um about the time he was writing for animation. I'd like to know what uh what he had to deal with because that that's a grind right there. But um, well, he talked about some interesting stories about uh, dealing with standards and practices on Ghostbusters. Oh and, boy. You know, if if I rewatch Babylon Five, uh, what'll be kind of messed up this time is watching even just a single episode and thinking to myself, "Man, half the people in this show are dead." That's crazy. Yeah. Is that true? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh shit, man. Yeah. Didn't Londo die last year? 
Yeah, there's something nope. like the act. Is he still alive? No, Peter Jurassic's alive. Okay. It's um it was um Doyle who died. Doyle, okay. Yeah, that's right. Recently. Yeah, so you know, a lot of people who who should be alive at this point. I mean, if you think about the fact of how many people from the original Star Trek are still alive, yeah. you know, the fact that everybody from Next Gen is still alive, everybody from DS9 is still alive, and all these people from Babylon 5 are, are dead before Jeez, their time. That's crazy, man. And a lot of them, I mean, they would, they're still, they'd still be young today. That's, yeah. that's unfortunate, man. Aside from, like, uh, Andreas Katsilis, who who smoked, like, a yeah. freaking uh, factory. So, no surprise that he kicked off. But everybody else, it's like, man, what, what's going on with Babylon 5? Was there, was there something, like, in the food or, or <laughs> something? They have asbestos. They have what a cheap soundstage with asbestos in there. And, you know, everybody's just dying. It's a cursed production, I suppose. It it it, 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 yeah, and I, I will be looking forward to reading his autobiography too because it, it is interesting sometimes when you hear about these old TV shows, especially that syndication uh, back in like the eighties and nineties. Man, that stuff was like that was brutal. I've I've read some of the things they talked about Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I mean you're talking like sixteen, seventeen hour days and the mm-hmm. those suits that. They could barely move in and outfits. Yeah, know, they're, yeah, they're wearing them for you know ten hours at a time. And, you know, it's you know they, it's, they'd have to go to the bathroom and they'd have to shut down production because it was going to take them you know uh, an hour to get them in and out of their yeah. costume. So it's, it's crazy. It's funny you bring that up. I was actually watching an interview with uh, Kurtwood Smith. You know, most people know him as uh, Red Cla- Foreman. Yeah, Red Foreman and Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop. And he was talking about his uh, appearance on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and he he absolutely hates wearing uh, makeup and costumes. And um, he was also in Star Trek Six, and they uh, he had he had to wear makeup in that too. So uh, he t- it was they they talked about it. That was the big thing I remember from that conversation. It's like he he enjoys Star Trek, but he hates wearing makeup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the prosthetics and shit. This is not fun. You know. I was fortunate enough to meet quite a lot of uh, Babylon 5 people at various conventions across Florida. Mm-hmm. And one of my best memories was seeing uh, Bruce Boxleitner and Jerry Doyle together yeah. at mm. a convention. And, you know, I may not have agreed with Jerry Doyle's politics, but oh, man, yeah. that guy was freaking hilarious. <laughs> and just hearing these two guys just riff off of each other, it was just so much fun. And, you know, they would talk about the practical jokes. Um, on set and um you know i've read tweets like jms trolling uh doyle because uh he's a flaming liberal and uh doyle was very conservative and yeah. it just sounds like it was a a fun place to work and just a great bunch of people and it just makes it even sadder that so many of them are already oh, gone damn Makes you wonder, wonder if the show will come back in some way, shape, or form in the future, but it doesn't sound like it will. Uh, what, what, did I, what did I just tell I, you? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like a reboot, like somebody, some, it's some. Not, what's it's that? not going to happen because of the rights. Yeah, I mean, right, yeah, yeah, the rights are a mess. Because I mean, he does have he does have the movie rights. Yeah, but he revealed in these Twitter streams that um, nobody else would want to jump on a movie if they couldn't go the multimedia route and also have TV yeah. and with these asshole execs saying fuck you you're done well that's un- un- until they retire or die 
that is the final word on Babylon 5, it seems. And it's Warner Brothers that is giving them the shit over, over yes. this overall? Yeah, Warner yeah. Brothers' leadership has been under fucking fire because of their poor management of their movies and shit like that. And they've turned over a couple of uh, main studio heads over the last couple of years. I, I'm kind of amazed that the people who are in charge now are, are people who have beef with them unless... Uh, some somebody at their TV divisions got some beef, and they gotta they gotta go. So fuck. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, thank you, Yazi eighty eight for your submission. Oh, the last one here goes back to Ryder Kabuto. I guess he he's 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 our new um he's our new freedom fighter because he's got more robot apocalypse news. It looks oh, like um shit. now Tokyo researchers are one step closer to building Terminators. Uh, this come from nationalgeographic.com, so you know it might be true. Uh, the biohazard, they say the biohazard design described in today's Journal of Science for Robotics stimulates the look, movements of a human fing- finger. And I guess they had a video that shows how a bent at the joint picks up a loop, places it down. It's a seemingly simple movement, but one of the one that researchers says lays the groundwork for more advanced and even more lifelike robots. And coming out of Japan, that only means one thing, sexeroids. Sexeroids and learning how to pull triggers. Pretty much. (laughs) On on laser rifles. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so, um, man, stuff's kind of crazy, huh? But uh, thank you, Mr. Ryder Kabuto, for your submission. And like I said, if you have any other uh, news, always submit it to the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread. In the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum, and um, Silver, you got anything before we uh, begin our topic? Well, I mean, uh, I have anything. I, I won't. I won't do what I. Oh I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, we'll do one quick thing. Yeah. This was a request. This was the request of Solbro, and he wanted our quick impressions of the Bumblebee trailer teaser trailer that came out. What about it? Two days ago, I a think. A couple days maybe? ago, what? yeah, it came out like a yeah. Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for those who missed it, uh, trailer dropped for a uh, side story for Bumblebee that takes place in the eighties. Um, it's based, I guess, in the Bayverse, but um, it may end up being a jumping point for like a new continuity. I don't know. Um, but it does look better than any Transformers uh, trailer I've seen so far. But uh, I'm asking this mm-hmm. on the scale of of zero to heart and soul. How much does this have? <laughs> Where does this rank? <laughs> From a, zero to heart and soul. If heart and soul is like out of a five star rating, uh, heart and soul is the fifth it's star. Soul, bro, this is this has uh, got to be. This has got to be. When I saw this trailer, I'm like immediately you were doing the dance, right? Was, you no, were doing I, the soul bro dance. I was cautiously. It's set in the '80s. <laughs> it's all the G1 designs. Or, hey guys, you know, how come how come I'm not in this movie? <laughs> I like Transformers. I was around. I was around in the eighties, committing hate crimes. I could have been in this movie. <laughs> and rapping badly. Hey, I, I, I thought your your character probably would have been in like high school at that time. And that when you impregnated your daughter's uh, mother, that never showed up. Or I don't even remember what their story Yo, those was. Are the funky, or something? Those are the funky bunch years you don't like to talk about. Yeah, those are the funky bunch years. <laughs> I, I, I don't talk about those Sega CD years. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That's a deep fucking cut. Oh my god! <laughs> I played that shitty game. Oh no! Oh, good times. But yeah. <laughs> but 
but real, real quick, we're gonna do a we're gonna do our little commentary on this trailer. Um, basically, if you guys have the link, uh, put it in the chat for you guys. But um, if you guys have the link, we'll all on pause at the same time. I'll count us down when you guys are ready. And uh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold no, on, hold on. It's right there in the sky. But yeah, um, no, I, I know, but I was that was. Looking at something. No, you're good. I'll just talk it up while you get it loaded. But, uh, yeah, this Bumblebee trailer is being. I'll unpause it. You can unpause it now? No, no, I'll I'll count this down. When I say one, on, 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 literally when I say one, you unpause it. But, um, just to give some insight, Travis Knight directs this movie, not Michael Bay. Michael Bay is a producer. Travis Knight is known, Travis Knight is known as, uh, not only the son of the man who founded Nike. Um, but he's oh, all, Phil Knight's kid. Phil Knight's kid. Uh, Phil Knight. Um, he uh, he helped to fund his studio, Leica, and Leica's produced a lot of great so animated Nike movies. Nike will be all in this shit. <laughs> oh, if, I I can only imagine Nike will product be product placement. Of oh the ass. my god! I, I I actually thought of that when I was uh, watching the trailers. Like, when are we gonna see some Jordans? But uh, yeah, uh, he um, Travis Knight. Uh, he cut his teeth on uh, in animation with uh, Coraline. Um, and he's also helped to produce uh, other movies like Paranorman, and he just recently directed Kubo and the Two Strings. And that, by far, is one of my favorite Leica films. I love Leica as an animation studio, and when I heard he was directing this movie, I was really thrilled. So we'll see how the final product comes out, but uh, we'll go ahead and unpause it on one. I'll count us down. Three, two, one. And look, it's counting down anyway. Yes. All right. Bumblebee, man. Official trailer. Oh, yeah, a, trailer. Trailer. <laughs> a okay, lot. Bring a forest. What is that? Is that... I've hey, seen guys. it before. Oh, <laughs> the symbol of excellence, Paramount. I have a development deal, Paramount Pictures, guys. <laughs> Make sure to visit Wahlburgers. Wow. <laughs> oh. oh, hey, look, Volkswagen finally reneged on the. We don't want our cars to be associated with weapons of war. Completely, <laughs> you know, hilarious. Ignorant exactly. of our own history. <laughs> yeah. Ignorant of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the genesis of the beetle. <laughs> why was there, why was there a beehive in the wheel well? I guess th- th- to give her a reason to call him because he's not going to be able to talk in this film, so she needs yep. to be able to call him something. So I think still, still, still mute. Still mute. I think she teaches him how to talk by using the radio and stuff like that. At least that's what the trailer alludes to. Oh man, you woke him up. Oh man, he's mad as hell. I do like that they took their time with this uh, this transformation. Look, a completely logical robot transformation and not just slabs of gray metal. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like slabs of gray metal and gears? Uh, like no. Walking junk piles. Also, um, you, you can tell the the lack of the Michael Bay touch in the fact that they cast uh, Haley Steinfeld, who certainly is very attractive, don't get oh, me yeah. wrong, yeah. but not some like supermodel shallow type Megan Fox person. Yeah, don't got her in hot pants and <laughs> and, and, and and skimpy stuff and, and like ridiculous clothes. Well that that's a little weird though. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna call you know as much as you love this this, this oh, John Cena what's your oh, Star Scream baby <laughs> Yo legitimate legitimate Star Scream that's fucking crazy man. Real Star Scream real Star Scream is the bad guy? Yeah. No, this, this that part where they're in the water though. This is, I guess he became a jeep. Looks like he became a jeep. Yeah, I'm like not sure jeep. what that's about. Unless like he has like some battle mode, or he he took the the shape of a jeep somewhere in the latest. Oh, yeah. Did did you when you guys saw that tape? This is how much Transformers nerds we are. When you guys saw that tape. Did you start to think Soundwave for a hoping, second? I was hoping that would be I Rumble did, yeah. or something. 
Yeah, it would have been kind of like, nice. Then it's like, nope, just a comedy gag, not Soundwave. You know, after seeing this trailer, I really hope that if this movie does do well, that they keep uh, Transformers in that decade, or at least in that era. If they're going to make other movies yeah. based off of that and not just don't bring it back to modern times, just build a new continuity and, and keep them uh, this way. Because I think this a lot of people are equating this movie to um, are getting impressions of the Iron Giant with this film. And uh, at least that's some of the impressions that this trailer gives. And I like that approach. I think that's really cool. I mean, I could do without um what's it uh <laughs> the the little underwater scene where they kind of allude that both bumblebee and that girl yeah, might have something going on of, like the shape of the shape of bumblebee <laughs> the shape of bumblebee you know you know what else this might be kind of giving me vibes of mm-hmm. mm. uh, g- roll with me here mm-hmm. wonder woman wonder woman oh and that you have a universe of yeah. movies that is plagued by bad movies, and then something comes along yeah. and mm-hmm. is potentially a ray of light that shows you the right way how to make them. Pretty much. It could and, and, and maybe it does like Wonder Woman's going to do, where you do different periods in time, too. Because it's established that Transformers have been around forever, so it would be kind of cool to see them kind of jump around. I, I don't have to... I mean... I don't have, it doesn't have to be in the 80s. For it to no, be it good. doesn't. And no, it yeah. this movie is it is part of the Beformers verse because this was when they had that writer's room. This was the yeah. first of those spin-offs that they planned and now we know that it'll be the the last because they've canceled Transformers uh 7 yep. and they're going to do a, a full-on reboot. That's amazing. It had seven movies, huh? Yeah, well, they movies. considering this one the 6th. They counted this one as Transformers Six. six yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. It's like Windows Ten. Yeah. <laughs> you're just jumping because why not? This, so this is the Windows Vista of Transformers movies. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if you caught it, Chris, but a couple months ago, we we me and Solbro streamed um, the last night because I I had never seen it because I still haven't it, seen it. Now. Yeah. E- even as a don't you know I, I like my day. <laughs> But well, we know you like Sorbet. Yeah. I do. I do like Sorbet. And I, I enjoy a lot of his movies. What, but Sorbet? Man, this one it's was Sorbet. just... I, I was sitting there cracking on this movie after a while. <laughs> you it were. Was, it was bad. It was like... Anthony Hopkins, man. He's just, he, just wants, he just wants to keep his... Uh, what are you talking about, dude? Because <laughs> it, it wasn't... I mean... It wasn't very good. <laughs> Say that much. <laughs> Yo, uh, shout outs to uh, Boss Johnson over in Twi- on Twitch. He says, "Got to add them Power Rangers now." He's alluding to the fact that uh, uh, Hasbro now has uh, control of the Power Rangers here in the states, and uh, the uh, the the word on the street is they're going to be folding in them with their other toy properties, including Transformers and future movies. So, yeah, uh, that might be another reason for the reboot because they kind of want to recalibrate Transformers for what it is and. And hopefully have another successful movie. I hope Bumblebee is successful just for being something different. And I really hope that Michael Bay didn't really meddle with the film all that much. Even though he's a producer, he tends to put his fingers in those pies, um, as we've seen with the Ninja Turtles yeah, movies and it, other stuff. But it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, stop bad mouthing the man. Because if you look at the trailer, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, look, it seems I, different. I did not see. Fifty percent of that trailer being the U.S. military, so that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that is true. and the and the other thing too is, is once again, it is a trailer because everything that we see there may or may not be in this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is true. So I mean, so I, I, I 
I enjoyed it. I watched it like twice because it, it was kind of cool to try to catch things in it. But I mean, I'm I'm open to seeing it. So I you yeah. know as long as it just doesn't get too much into the weird in the water shape of water stuff, I'm 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 good with that. Well, it's going to be part of a packed out Christmas movie season because there's a ton of movies coming out this Christmas, including that. So. Oh, it comes out the Christmas. It sure does. Mm-hmm. It comes out of Christmas along with like uh, not not that you're going to go see Mary Poppins, but that's a, that's a big one that's coming out, and so is uh, I see Mary Poppins. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited the, about Mary Poppins. To be honest with you, I love the, that. The movie. the audience <laughs> crossover of Bumblebee and Mary Poppins, Poppins. is going to be so big. Yo, let's get it. Yeah, that's, that's a that's that's a tight. Yeah, that's a tight one there. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna give it a run for its money, guys. I'm, I'm... You, you know what? You know you know what would get me to see mm-hmm. Mary Poppins movie? Do a Mary Poppins starring Michael Roker. <laughs> <laughs> then that's the Mary Poppins movie. Please let that man have a cameo in fucking Mary Poppins uh, revisited or whatever the hell they call it. Please put him in there. Please put Roker in there. I I, I would love that man. But, you want to know something shocking that I discovered uh, via Wikipedia that was there all along, but obviously I just never paid attention to. What's that? I was so shocked to discover one day that Michael Roker is from New Jersey. Is he really? He's, he's uh, always playing he just country sounds dudes. like the goodest of good boys. <laughs> and he's from New Jersey. Yeah, man. All he does is play with country folk, hell, man. man. He, he always plays country scumbags, man. O- always plays good old boys. <laughs> always. Maybe that's his... Like, my, my world is kind of rocked by this. When I learned well, this, it's like... Is what, he one of these people that is he one of these people though that was like uh, like born in the South but or born in Jersey and then he was raised in the South? You know, kind of like I, Michael I Jordan was born. I don't recall. Was born in New York City, but was only there for like three months and then you know raised in North Carolina. So still, uh, it's like you know, yeah, I, I look shocking, at huh? And I see New Jersey and not like Louisiana. It's like what? What is anything, man? Oh, what man. is any? The only movie I've never seen to play good uh, that didn't see him play a good old boy in is Mallrats. Mallrats is like the only one, uh, and that's the first Pretty time much. I ever saw him in uh, a film. And yeah, uh, Yazi says that Michael Rooker uh, uh, was Kevin Smith is mentioned in this podcast a few times. I must have missed that though because I've never heard uh, Kevin Smith talk about where he's uh, Rooker is from. But he's good friends with Michael Rooker, and uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Anything else on Bumblebee? No, no, we're good, man. Because we got to get to what the people want. Yes, indeed. Let's do it. Gundam: The Origin Six: Rise of the Red Comet. Chris, what do you think about this movie? <laughs> it's terrible. Where are my pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Chris, so do you you want to you want to you want to you want to grace this with a quick. A quick uh, s- summary of us, uh, just like old times? Yeah, just like old times. So, picks up immediately, actually jumps into the, the resecting the last few minutes of episode 5, which barely was the, the start of the Battle of Loom, even though it was called Clash of Loom, but, you know, that's neither, <laughs> neither here nor there. We won't go down that route again. Um, so we see the rest of the Battle of Loom. We see all of the points like the literal birth of the Red Comet as Char zooms around blowing up battleships at, uh, and leaving a red streak. Uh, we see the famous capture of Revel by the Black Tri-Stars. It was always covered in uh, the side media. And everything's looking pretty peachy for Zeon. 
looks like the Federation's going to surrender. They're having the negotiations for the Antarctic Treaty. And we see the whole elaborate sequence of Revel's escape after his conversation with uh, Degwin that, uh, you know, ultimately the events do not go the way that Degwin expected. Uh, Exactly. And, of course, we have Char's encounter with uh, Revel and just kind of letting him go for the lulls. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got some of Amaro's teenage delinquency. <laughs> so much on side seven, trying to figure out what the Gundam is. We have uh, setting up Sela for moving to side seven. We see some of Mirai and her dad, and you know, of course, the the biggest you know sort of tease of all at the end is that the post credit scene is the white base taking off from Earth, and you see. Bright and Captain, Captain Paolo, Paolo and yeah. uh, Tim Ray and all of them cats. Yep. Bright in the blue uniform. It's like, when did yes. this happen? <laughs> half, half those dudes are going to be uh, dead. dead in, mm-hmm. you know, shortly. Yep. Yeah, really. I was surprised about that, too. The blue uniform. Like, wow. Too bad they don't they don't go into the first part of Gunna. Maybe we could see the blue flight suit. Yeah. Blue normal suit. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, though, it's like that white base sure looks nice in modern CG. Oh, yeah. It does. But, yeah, man, uh, I, the, the, for those who also don't know, uh, some people before the show were asking, uh, the, were surprised that we're reviewing this when some people don't even know it's out. Uh, yeah, it's on Hulu, for those who don't know. You guys can easily check it out. Um, yeah, it's been out since the beginning of last month. For anybody who missed it, you can catch it on Hulu if you live in the States. If you live abroad, I'm not sure where you can find it. Um, but, yeah, uh, for for no, people in North America, you can catch it on Hulu. So we'll be spoiling everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure sometime... Next year, right stuff will put out a little set with episodes five and six to finish everything off. Yep, absolutely. So I will turn it back to you, Neo, uh, for us to go around and get our thoughts on the episode. Well, besides the fact that this was actually a lot of it, the first probably thirty thirty percent of it was the Clash at Loom. <laughs> <laughs> Who's naming these things? No, um, yeah, definitely some standout things. Really kind of, if you know your lore of the one-year battle, or the, what was it, the one-week battle within the one-year war there, um, it's kind of nice to see it all kind of fleshed out. I mean, we've seen it here and there in other side stories, games, things like that, but to really see it in this way, um, you know, the the things that really stood out to me was uh, Rebel's capture. I mean... Uh, to really kind of see that, and then Revel's escape, <laughs> uh, and, and Revel playing Degwin, and oh, doing yeah. the opposite of what he said he was going to do. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty indeed. much. Pretty much the salt. <laughs> um, but I think of, and you know, like Chris said, a lot of things we're seeing. Um, nice integration of some of the things of the white bait. Who would be the white base crew? They're not. Some of them aren't that yet. Um, right before the events of First Gundam, but one of the things that really stood out to me, Cecilia Mukube's discussion at the museum. Yeah, that was one of the things that really kind of because it really put the whole thing together with 
and it showed you how kind of important Makube was yeah. and how yeah. they kind of valued the fact that, you know, we see him in First Gundam and he's he's not there that much. What, about two or three episodes, I think, or so? And, you know, he's, he's about that vase and, you know, clinking <laughs> that vase and things. And he's got the real, he's got the kind of dandy mobile suit, the Gyan. Um but and you can see that he's infatuated. You, you think in first Gundam that he's just a treasure robber, you know. He's just taking advantage of the fact that there's a war going on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the spoils of war. I'm gonna I'm gonna loot stuff, loot loot antiquities and things like that. But um, God, the guy had was is so fascinating, and the fact that he's you know we see him, he's walking through this museum and he's like that's a fake this is a fake <laughs> that's a fake and the guy and the guy that's like the curator is going crazy but then we see why they want to send him down to um uh earth because they know that they're going to be uh, the zeon want to land a force and their zeon are actually afraid because everybody's a space noid that they're going to sit there and get big wide eyes once they're down on earth when they see everything and they see all the beauty and the things like that, that they're all just going to sit there and not know what to do, especially on well, the commander side. Look, look what happened when Rambaral came down in the Zanzibar and all these yep. idiots freaked out at seeing lightning. Like, oh, it's a Federation weapon. Like, boy, you all sure are dumb, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like you've never seen a movie or a TV show over inside 3? Yeah. Never yeah. read a book before? Seen pictures? But I guess, I mean, it just shows you... Uh, how sheltered these people were but um you know so they they have him he, they wanted him to command it and i gotta give it to him i mean he's like what you're gonna send me down there and i'm basically gonna you know the heart of everything i'm gonna get the, you know might get my ass whipped and everything i want some assurances that i'm not just gonna be some pawn and they're like um yeah well we're gonna cigarma with you <laughs> is like you know he's the favorite of, of the sovereign so there's no way they're going the sovereign's going to send you send his favorite down so i just felt that was like just it was one of my big highlights of um i actually like rewound it like two or three times just watching that whole interaction that they had because um it just really fleshed everything out and uh, they even talk about char in there and uh that was um that was kind of that kind of interesting too, but just the fact of kind of understanding why he was the head of the um, the the, uh, the Earth occupation force uh, just made a lot of sense. But um, uh, I guess I'll throw it over to you, Soul Bro. I don't want to I don't want to take up all the all the all the cool points within this. So <laughs> what, what's what's some of your thoughts of uh, this episode six here? Well, I noticed it had three distinctive. Uh, things going on in this uh this episode um of course we finally get what we've been waiting for the whole time the battle of loom and we get to see warfare at the at the at the greatest scale that we've seen in this uh entire ova man they really spent the budget on not only the special effects and the cg but just the animation of uh of the characters and and just everything that was going on um it's one thing to read it on the pages of the manga but then to see it animated in this and the level of violence that the zakus are putting on the all the battleships the magellan's getting just completely rocked by these swarm of zakus that are just descending upon them and the look of 
the look of terror on the on the Federation soldiers' faces faces when they realize that that, that Zeon has these perfected mobile suits that uh that they're implementing in in a large scale battle for the first time. Yeah, it was it was cool before you see the mobile suits get engaged because you had battleship on battleship warfare and that was really cool to see as well. You don't get you don't really get to see a lot of that in Gundam because they put the focus on mobile suits more than anything. But uh, how the how the whole sequence started out was fantastic. But um, then you kind of slide into the setting of the stages uh, for all sorts of characters. How Amuro has taken this obsession with the mo- uh, with the Gundam and gets to meet the pilot of the actual uh, he, when he, when he goes to uh, to the uh, security gate and they won't let him in and then he mentions the Gundam and they they flip out and they take him into that interrogation room and then the pilot of the original uh, RX seventy eight one the one that we get to see at the beginning of the actual manga get killed. <laughs> he meets that guy and just just by uh, I guess he walks into the room and talks to him because I remember the name and now I can't remember his name now but when they mention his name it's like I remember that being the name of the pilot that was going to uh, pilot the RX 78 2 or was piloting in the, the prototype and they have a conversation and he's telling Armro to keep his nose out of uh, out of out of out of Federation business and you know Armro doesn't want to take a no for an answer so it was nice to see that exchange between those two characters um, I don't recall that scene being in the novel in, in the mangas do you guys? Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I don't think we ever saw that guy, not once. But when uh, when he came into the room and they introduced him, it's like, yeah, that's that's the guy who was supposed to be uh, the pilot of the of the of the RX seventy eight. And uh, yeah, it just it's funny how Amuro met him, and then that guy ends up getting killed, and then Amuro has to do his job. So <laughs> I thought that was I thought it was a nice touch, kind of a passing of the torch, even though it wasn't intended to be. But uh, but the funny thing is, is um. Uh, they go to Amuro's house and they just take all that shit out of his father's office, <laughs> and he goes home and finds the place cleaned out. I thought that was really cool. I mean, I'm sure he was salty about it, but that's exactly what they would do. He's lucky. He's lucky. He's the son of Tim Ray because they probably would have made him disappear too. <laughs> He's dumb. It's like, oh, what's the Gundam? Like, what wow, is, what is your problem, kid? Like, you are just not smart. Yeah, this is the high grade fucking top secret shit, and you shouldn't be talking about this openly, and you shouldn't be showing up here trying to demand. Um, access to something that's so top secret. We almost killed you guys the first time you came around. <laughs> the hell is your problem? But um, the most interesting aspect of this whole episode to me was the politics, man. You brought up the scene with uh, Kasuya talking to Makuve, and I thought that was fantastic, especially for his character because it gave us kind of an insight on you know how he ended up on Earth um, and basically how things were and how he ends up being so loyal to Kasuya, at least loyal enough Um to, to to take an interest in what was going on and and being in the position that he was in, I didn't realize he was as I mean I knew but I didn't know exactly how important he was until watching this episode, especially in the Antarctic Treaty and how everything played out afterwards with the domination of the planet. That montage during the credits was uh was fascinating too. I, I kind of wish we got to see more of that happening, but um yeah, Makuve's um implementation into this episode was was nicely done. Um. Um, it's just a cool way of taking a character that's in First Gundam that really is just, I guess at the time that he was created, was just, you know, the two, three episode baddie and, you know, and just really make him much more deeper than he was. Because, like I said, he seems like a, just like a, a antique loving dandy yeah. in First Gundam. But it's like, wow, this guy is like, you, you, what was he, a uh, 
professor or something? Who knows what he was? He's, he's a romantic the... about history. He, he actually he he wants to see Zeon have a history of its own, but they're so young they don't really have a history that spans past the century. So um, you know he he kind of he is a student of history. He, he enjoys artifacts from from back in uh, back in time because it, it it reminds him of who you know mankind is, and you know he's an insightful dude. He's a dandy, but he's an insightful guy, and he's he's more complex than we give him credit for, which I think is uh, I I'd, I'd love to see more about Makuve as 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 much as we make fun of him and his crystal vase. <laughs> yeah, he's an intimidating villain when when implemented correctly. So, you know, I dig that. But yeah, the politics in this was cool. Um, to see Revel turn the tables on uh, Dagwin Zabi was fantastic during that speech. Um, to see the scumbags that work for uh. Makuve um in um in uh, at at Arctic, at the Antarctic base. I didn't realize there was a city in uh Antarctica in uh Mobile Suit Gundam. I, I don't recall that being in the manga unless I just glossed over it. But uh the Scott City is what they call it. It's under a dome in Antarctica. And I thought it was really cool that that finally got colonized. <laughs> so uh and that's where the Antarctic Treaty was signed. Um it was all all pretty cool to see that all play out. But uh one of the things I enjoyed the most about this episode uh besides the action was uh the little uh the little little signs that come came up on the screen when it was closing out where it was introducing the major players that would come up in Mobile Suit Gundam like the Kai and Hayato and uh and Frau Bo and Sela and I was waiting for Bright and sure enough they didn't disappoint because the stinger was of course the launching of the white base the light white base heading over to side seven so you finally got Bright Noah future captain of the white base I thought that was uh pretty nice and um yeah, um, I, 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 this being that this will dovetail into um, a, a viewing of Mobile Suit Gundam, I just wanted to throw out there: Do you guys think this this OVA series would pair well with watching the movies afterwards? If someone wanted to go through it, they've never seen the original TV series before or the original movies before. You think that they should start with Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin and then dive into the movies? No, you think they should Absolutely watch them? So no, they should because they, the, mm-hmm. the origin doesn't really explain who a lot of these people are and you don't know why you're supposed to care about who a lot of these characters are unless you've already seen them that's true and done so like people like you know who plays small parts like kozun if you don't haven't seen him as yeah exactly why why would you care about this guy what's the importance of this guy Mm -hmm. you know or um what's his name stitch yeah, or mm-hmm. whatever the heck that you know the the skinny guy. Like, if you don't know him from MSG, you don't know why they're showing him. So, you know, I think that you also, for the sake of the animation, if you start somebody with the origin with its shiny new animation and modern cleaned up character designs and CG robots, and it's like, let's go watch this forty year old thing afterwards Oops. with the same characters. <laughs> like, it's not gonna. Not as, gonna work well. Even, even as good as that Blu-ray is of Mobile Suit Gundam, yeah, yeah it's, it's not gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, for example, like I would similarly say, you don't watch Rogue, Rogue One before Episode Four. I was gonna make right. that comparison too. Yeah, Rogue One. Uh, yeah, so you should you should definitely watch the original trilogy first before you watch Rogue One because you you, you don't know you don't know why it's yeah you don't know why it's important. And then also shiny new effects in Rogue One, and then Episode Four, which still looks great, but is forty years old. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> very true. So, but yeah, that's that's, the, that's the foundation. 
and that's that's pretty much my uh my my major observations about this episode i i thoroughly enjoyed it uh it felt like a movie because it was an hour and a half almost <laughs> it was nice and yeah, lengthy. Long. And it was a nice close out and it was cool to see the bunch of new scenes yazi uh yazi confirms that yeah um that scene between amuro and that pilot wasn't in the manga so yeah it felt new so that was really cool and uh yeah shout out to the kozun uh cameo as well kozun being one of the uh underlings of uh of Ramba Raw, uh, when uh, when Char tosses him his uh, bazooka and says, "Well, you're gonna need to put in work because your boy didn't show up." <laughs> yep, <laughs> I love that shit. But yeah, and uh, and of course, uh, Rio Jose, uh, he had a significant uh, role in this. Yeah, uh, which you was... also, it's like, what's the big deal? Or right uh, mm-hmm. when Dren shows up, it's like, well, who's this random fatty? Ooh. Why do I care? Dren, aka Ca- Ca- Captain Jay Sherman. <laughs> Rich. Is a which is a funny thing when uh, Dozel tells <laughs> Char that I gave you this great moose side. It's a great moose side, but I gave you one of the best crews. Yeah. And, wow. <laughs> that's 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 what counts as the best. Wow. <laughs> they were hurt oh. for people, boy. <laughs> God, they lied so much. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, I would not count like Denim and Dren as the best of the best. <laughs> you know, denim and hey, what was that other guy? It was Denim, uh Gene. De- was it yeah, Gene, Denim Gene. and uh and uh Slender. Yo, Slender. Slender, yeah. Slender was the smartest one though. He was uh, I give him credit, he was alright. <laughs> he lasted the longest. He I did. <laughs> I think he made it to what episode four? Yeah, the, the next step. <laughs> mm. So, Chris. So, a couple of thoughts. Um, one is a little annoying to see like all the repeats of footage from episode five. Yeah, yeah. And man, the Fetties were just especially incompetent in this episode in the battle. Like Ooh. they were just completely awful in every respect. And how is it that? Zeon pulled off the sand people trick. Yeah. With the fleet. <laughs> How do you hide an entire fleet? Yeah. By it's like these people don't understand three dimensionality in space. Mm-hmm. That 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 having everyone in one line doesn't work when you can see everything in three dimensions, and yet the Fetties fell for it. And Dozel's ship came right up against Rebels and blasted it like fifty times Ooh. before it blew up. It's like, Jesus, how much of a battering is this ship going to take when all these other Magellans are dropping like flies? Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is, is once they're right side by side, why aren't they firing back themselves? Yeah, they're not doing it. It's like, they're, they're not doing point, anything. Blink. You can shoot at them too. They're going to take damage. It just I, like, I, makes oh, no go ahead. sense. I, I do no. get you on that because I, this is the thing I sometimes don't like when we go back to, you know, we, we go back in time like this because I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, as bureaucratic and huge and whatever the Federation was, that the, the Federation of Space Forces, they were a trained military. How are they to being fight overtake- spaceships? How are they being over to being overrun by a militia using their same tactics? Uh, you know, ship on ship stuff outside of the mobile. I, I don't get it. You're yeah. right. They did. They were way too. Incom- and they made him look all incompetent. Oh yeah, even Rebel to a point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like they're making Rebel just like he just sits there and 
He doesn't say much. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, if, if this is their best, one of their best leaders, he would be, he wouldn't be falling for this stuff. You know, I can get them being surprised by yeah. the suits and not being able to respond because the Saberfish is a puny little fighter compared to Wumble Suit. But on the ship-to-ship stuff, they should have done a lot better. And I was always under the, under the impression that, you know, just by all the things we've always read and, you know, different side stories, things like that, that that was the major factor. They, you know, the, the reason why they had the Mobile Suits is because they knew they couldn't go ship to ship with yes uh, with uh the federation the the federation had the advantage not only in size of the fleet but the the technology of the fleet um and the mobile suits gave them the the edge um to 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 offset what they lacked in resources so i'm glad you brought that up because that was that was a huge thing that um that's crazy yeah Especially when you factor in the information that Origin adds, that the Musai class started off as converted civilian ships. Yep. Yeah. And then you think about Magellan's and Salamises are built as battleships, battleships. from the get-go. Yes. And they still lost. <laughs> they yeah, and then they, yeah, they they would be they would be heavily more armored. Like, yeah, that that I didn't get. Yeah, you know, and those ships were built. They started building those like in the previous decade in the UC 60s. So you'd think that they would have seasoned crews that mm. necess- don't necessarily have any battle experience because there weren't any space battles before this, but would have had extensive training. Yeah, and they're just they're just like first year flunkies, and they're I- getting they're getting amazed by everything. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. Granted, those ships are built for for this type of uh, engagement, but these people have never had an experience at all like this. They've had doesn't they, matter. They had a rule of the they had the rule of the roost for decades, and yeah, but it engaged in a battle it, it, with people. With it doesn't sp- matter though. I it mean, doesn't matter because it made them look all incompetent. Oh, I, I, I could. I, I'm, I not, I'm not what denying you're that, that. Yeah, that all people. That you never know what a soldier is going to do until they're actually tested under battle. Right. But part of what they do in the military is they break you down into "quote unquote" being a robot. So you just react to things, and you mm-hmm. just know. So, but the fact that they showed them all—I mean, it'd be one thing if like there was one incompetent commander for you know a, a part of the fleet that gets blown up. That that happens. Mm-hmm. But they made the whole entire Earth Federation fleet look like chumps. Outside of the first surprise attack, mm-hmm. they should have an. They they're going to have enough training and experience to say, okay, this is now what we need to do. I mean, and uh, Yahtzee eighty eight makes a great point. Even Igloo had Zeon taking some losses in Loom, and that was yeah. as pro Zeon as you can get. Oh, true. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, you know. Even though Igloo basically was Zeon propaganda, they had a much more realistic depiction yeah. of the battle law because both sides were taking losses and neither side was particularly incompetent. They just had those fast zooming ships. Yeah, and it basically made it seem like the Zeon took very minimal um, losses in this. And the ones yeah, they did, nothing. they kind of just sacrificed for Dozel's uh, ploy. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff... Um, I definitely enjoyed the the scene with Makuve and Cassilia. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Garma is like even more Ooh, of a, a deep brain sissy. 
it's like if you're going by the MSG TV show, it's no freaking wonder that Char tries to kill him like five oh, no. times the second that he beats like who could put up with this kid? Oh my god. I used to like Garma a lot, man, until until the origin. It's like, oh oh this guy is really bad. <laughs> he's 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 pretty Oh, that, that thing where he's Oof. when he's when he's listening in with Dagwin and he's like, Oh my god, that's a... and then he's like he he's coming to the conclusion that oh oh people are dying out there like I I don't I can't know I mean realize that that's nuts and he's freaking out and it's like oh my you were like and what's funny is like you know he's played by the same voice actor who was Natsu in Fairy Tale who's like a cool badass shonen guy mm-hmm. but then he also played Angelo in Unicorn so it's like you can hear the the prissy whining yeah. of Angelo in there but just turned up to 11 <laughs> Very much so. It's like, yeah, Garma, you just gotta go because you're just, you're just too damn stupid. Like, ooh, I got a fancy rank. Like, oh, aren't you special? And he's he's, he's some. He's Think some, you're better than me, Shar. He's some average dude trying to keep up with Shar Aznable, the Michael Jordan of his his of his of his of his of his field. <laughs> he's, he's, you can't keep up and with Shar. Some, some high school high school basketball scrub trying to compare to Michael Jordan. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like pretty Char, much. Yeah. Char is driven by who some is the things. Prince, who is the principal's son? Shar is driven by demons that Garma can never even come. Well, it's not even it's not even that. It's just that we're, it, it's not even his demons. We're mm-hmm. just seeing skill. Shar has skill. Yeah. I mean, no and matter what. Type. And I mean, that's always <laughs> that's always been the best thing about Shar is. Even even when we go into first Gundam, mm-hmm. the guy's got skill. Yeah, like if you see him, he's gone again. I mean, how many times up until what the Jiang and the Gelgu? I mean, he was always underpowered when it came to facing the Gundam, <laughs> and he held his own. Well, so. even you go back to the beginning of MSG. Who else would have the nerve to say, just fly out in space in your normal suit? It's cool because you're too small for the mobile yeah. suit to hit. Like, yeah. who who would do that? Right, yeah, and he's right, yeah, because you, because those 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 type of weapons are made for larger vessels, which worked out well again for him and Zeta, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, speaking of Shar, I was kind of expecting to see him do more during the Battle of Loom, mm-hmm. yeah. and it just didn't materialize that way. Like, yeah, he was doing some of the you know blasting ships and bouncing off the ships and all that, but. Uh, it seemed like they spent more time on Dolzel shooting Rebel ship a billion times, and then uh, the Black Tristars chopping it up and capturing Rebel. Is, is it was it me or did it seem? I know that Shar got what like the five Magella class or whatever, but it did it seem like the Black Tristars did more damage in this battle? <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was yeah. kind of filmed. I'm like, especially with the Heat Hawk going through like several bulkheads of that ship. Jesus, man. Yeah, rocket-powered heat hawk. It's oh. like, hey, that, that was pretty cool. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, I could, we see Char get his five ships, and I think he got a couple smaller ones, but I'm like, dang, I kind of understand why the Tri-Stars were pissed at the, um, you know, at, the, at the mixer after the battle, because <laughs> they had a pretty big body count, them, and they caught Rebel. <laughs> yeah. You know? They got the big trophy, man. Yeah, uh, Char was getting all the attention from the ladies, man. But uh, yo, props to the chat. Yo, uh, both uh, Enron and Boss Johnson said if uh, if Char is LeBron, does that mean Garma is J.R. Smith? <laughs> oh no! 
<laughs> Yo, sports. <laughs> no, it's actually J.R. Smith is competent. No. When oh, he wow. <laughs> Damn. Mm. So, some other things have popped up. It was interesting seeing cameos by some of the more minor MSG characters like Admiral Gop. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was always like just a, such a slimy bat. Especially if you read about him later in the MSVR comic manga where he's just like kind of creepy old pedo man and it's like oh with the new type girl it's like oh yeah. man you, why is this guy here yeah. <laughs> but that's also a different story for another time oh yeah um elron who uh was such a jerk in the tv series and his little pal judok yep those scumbags man uh those uh, scumbags those uh, those traitors man treasonous bastards yo we can't for- we can't forget the man with the greatest name in all of uh mobile suit gundam man Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> he makes that little cameo appearance towards the end when uh they bring uh rebel back to the fleet and he's there to meet him i was like yo Joaquin, yep. that guy was a hard ass but i liked him i liked him it's good shit yeah, so basically this episode, you know, there's not really much of an overarching story despite the title being The Birth of the Red Comet. It's just sort of the wrap-up of the last part of the manga flashback and then just setting all of putting all the pieces on the chessboard yep. for MSG. So it's a little less satisfying in that respect because, you know, the first four episodes really had that plot pushing it forward of Shar trying to survive and then, you know, building up his plan for revenge. And then episodes five and six have that to a much lesser degree because, you know, it's the Loom arc, not the Shar and Sela arc. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they almost have to dial down the story because the series is coming up, you know? It's like, you <laughs> can't only really go so do... far. Yeah, and I... I and as much as I love this episode, that was one of the things I felt, especially in the second half of the episode. It just felt like a lot of stuff was there as not so much filler, maybe more fan service, stuff like that. But because um, uh, you could tell, yeah, we, we can't go too much further because we're getting into that, <laughs> getting into that first Gundam area. So... But I did like the way that they ended it, though. I, I did like the fact that, even as cheesy as it kind of was with the, the white base coming in and Captain Paulo, and, and I, I did kind of like that because it's like, oh, shit, you know, probably in about a day, it's, it's Mobile Suit Gundam. It's episode one, so. Yeah. Well, not quite because they were on their well, way to Lumber 2 yeah. first. Yeah. So, a yeah. uh, couple of days early, but still, it's like, man. I feel I feel a little tempted to want to see more, but it's like Sunrise has already soft remade MSG so many times. Yeah, they certainly. Yeah, are. we might as well address that again because you know ever since Origin OVA was announced, people have been clamoring, at least in the West, for there to be a full Origin remake, and now it's over. And Yaz announced that he's retiring from anime production. So people are convinced that there's going to be an announcement because next year is the 40th anniversary. Which, geez, I remember when the 20th anniversary was a new thing. So man, makes me, makes me feel old. Like, oh, oh, did you hear about this new show, Turn A Gundam? Fuck. <laughs> you hear about this new live-action movie called G-Savior? Wow. Oh, no. Oh, we're getting old, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Here, here we are, 40th anniversary. Oh. People are convinced 
that because of the significance of the 40th anniversary that they're going to do the full origin and I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it will either. I, I think they'll do something in UC. Well, we've already seen that. I'm sure. Yeah. You guys have talked about it in the news about Gundam narrative mm-hmm. and this adaptation of Hathaway's Flash. So, you know, they're they're doing UC stuff and it would not surprise me since this narrative is a movie, it's probably the same studio that worked on Origin and Unicorn right. out of Sunrise. So, you know, it's diff- they, Sunrise has different studios that work on different things. You know, they have a studio that works on their high-quality OVAs like Origin and Unicorn. And they have studios that work on these Gundam TV shows. And I just don't see them doing um, an Origin TV show that looks anywhere remotely like the OVA. If people are expecting that in 50 episodes, they're they're in for a big disappointment. Yeah, they certainly are. Oh, yeah, it won't, yeah, it won't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just the simple fact that not counting that cheap TV rebroadcast of Unicorn, there hasn't been a UC TV show since Victory, and that was in 1993. And if you look back at all the other anniversary uh, series that's the series that come up as a as a as a result of an anniversary, I think they've all been alternate universe series, haven't they? Like Turn A Gundam, um, you could say it's connected to UC somehow, but tangentially, um, and then. Was it uh, in 2009 we got the Double uh, O animated movie? The Double O had already aired, uh, and then for this for the 40th anniversary, I don't know what we'll get, but uh, I don't, I, I doubt it's going to be a UC TV series. If anything, um, maybe it'll be a brand new series, uh, paying homage to Gundam in some way. Shape, oh, I, I, I don't doubt it. I'm here's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been multiple generations of Gundam fans. Yep, and. Every once in a while, Sunrise does a reboot, a soft reboot, to draw in the new fans who were not around for the previous generation. For example, Seed coming out in 2002, 20 years, over 20 years after the start of the original Gundam, sort of a soft reboot, mm-hmm. and it's targeted at kids who were not even alive when the original series aired. So here we are now, uh, Seed is... Uh, over 15 years old, which also makes me feel old. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, you have a whole new generation of kids ready to buy Gunpla who weren't even alive when Seed aired. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's they're going to do uh, a youth-focused MSG soft boot, soft reboot remake, and that's going to be yet another alternate universe, and it's going to be a war between Earth and space, and there's going to be one side that develops mobile suits before the other, and some kid gets into the Gundam, and there's going to be a ship, and blah, 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 and we're going to be angry about it again, and that's okay. Oh, shit. But I've, that's, that's what's going to happen, I believe, in 2019. Fellas, I'm, I'm, with, you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, too, because, I mean, I, you know, you kind of can't blame sunrise because they gotta bring new people in (laughs) fellas you know i figured it out you know we're gonna get next year Mm. crossbone gundam you heard it here first oh my god (laughs) chris Chris, what would you do what would you what would you do chris if you you got if they actually said for the 40th anniversary (laughs) we're gonna have crossbone gundam so here's, you know, I have conflicted thoughts about Crossbone Gundam, and this is making me sound like such a, a bitter asshole, and I don't care. <laughs> on on the one hand, 
uh, I don't want Crossbone Gundam to happen because the story is just so pedestrian. It's mm-hmm. really not that special. People who talk about it probably haven't read it. They don't know what it's about. They hear pirate Gundams. They think it's like Harlock with Gundams, and it's yeah. not at all. It's just a completely average Gundam story about crazy people in space who want to blow up Earth and a kid in a Gundam and it's just not a standout. It's not amazing. The story's not special. The characters aren't special. The mobile suits are hideous looking. It's not a great story. It's okay. It's nothing amazing, but people have convinced themselves that it's this masterpiece and it's not. (laughs) So it doesn't deserve to be animated just because these idiots are obsessed with it. So on the one hand, that's why I don't want to see it animated. On the other, the fact that these idiots do want to see it animated so badly makes me want it not animated just to spite them. Damn. (laughs) Because I'm tired of hearing about Crossbone Gundam everywhere on the English-speaking internet of these people who just cannot shut the fuck up about it. On the other, other hand... Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that says, if they just did the damn thing, then event, then people could stop asking for it. There you go. You yeah, I'm kind of with it. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, huh? Yeah, <laughs> because they'll never stop asking for it. It does not matter how much time passes. Yeah. These idiots are going to keep asking for Crossbone. So it's sort of like, fine, just do it and get it over with. Yeah. But then I know it's, that as soon as that happens, then they'll be asking for more Crossbone. Because it's like, oh, you did the original Crossbone. Now you got to do all these off awful sequels or now you gotta do sentinel now you gotta do this now you gotta do advance of zeta it's like they're just gonna pick some other thing to obsess over and put on some pedestal it doesn't or, deserve or the worst chris they make crossbone but they make it in your eyes they use they actually create a great story using the crossbone gundam but completely different than <laughs> what the source material is and then they're bitching about that <laughs> <laughs> where you actually get turned around, you're like, yeah, you know what? This is pretty good. <laughs> and they're hating it because it's completely different <laughs> from the source material. Uh, yeah, man. so I, I I think that that's going to happen. Uh, in the chat, uh, Nelson Dominguez is bringing up Moon Gundam, which I, I think I haven't mentioned because I was already gone. Mm-hmm. But um, Moon Gundam, have you guys read any of that? No, or heard anything about it? We've I've heard about it vaguely, but I've, I haven't I've heard, heard it vaguely too. But I haven't really done anything with it. So it's it's a manga written by Harutoshi Fukui, the guy who wrote the Unicorn novels. Oh, and it's based on his original Gundam pitch that turned into Unicorn. Oh, uh, what? So it's set in UC ninety one, and. It's called Moon Gundam because it has a suit in it called the Moon Gundam. But surprisingly, and this this is going to sound so insane coming from me, but the story involves Moon Moon, and it's actually interesting. Really? That's crazy. And is that Amuro in this picture? (laughs) Yes, Amuro is in it. Um, He's using a a space-customized version of the DJ. Oh, word. With Rick Diaz parts. So this is pre-Shar's counterattack. This is the early days of Lando Bell and he shows up in one chapter only so far, but, um, Mineva's in it. Uh, there's a space new type kid in moon moon. And the thing that's interesting about moon moon is that rather than depicting them as dumbass Aztec space ninjas, mm-hmm. they're 
depicted like more like space Amish in that, yes, they know they live in a space colony and they know that technology allows them to live in this artificial world and they accept that as a given, but everything beyond just their basic survival as needed by the colony, they don't rely on technology for. Wow. Yeah, it's not... I'm looking at the thing, too, online here. It, I... And I like some of the suits, too. <laughs> it's got some really cool designs by yeah. people who have worked on Gundam anime, and just the fact that it's this guy, Fukui, who had Unicorn animated. Um, his 11th volume of Unicorn of, like, side material is basically the foundation for Gundam narrative, and now he's doing a side story manga about his original pitch. So I think all of these elements set this up for future OVA adaptation. Wow, and this, they got Z, uh, they got Titan remnant, Remnants in it, too. That's kind of cool. Um, yes. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, Moon Moon's stupid in uh, <laughs> Double Seda, but, I mean, if you can take it and, you know, work it that way, that's kind of cool. Uh, the way that, yeah, the way that you described it, it's really pretty, pretty damn cool. So, but... So wow. we'll, we'll we'll see, but uh, that's that's my other prediction of uh, Moon Gundam adaptation, just because of its pedigree mm-hmm. and some new alternate universe Gundam soft reboot. So, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll come back next year and we'll we'll <laughs> see if I was full of bullshit or not. Do you want to lay down any uh, bullshit claims, Solbro? Any bullshit yeah. claims about what? Dude, you're good. You're good for them. <laughs> do, you, do you want to make any claims about this new double O thing, the return of, of King Arthur? Oh shit! Um, what? Oh yeah! I, wow! Um, <laughs> return of the legend. Return of the legend. Well, I mean, I'm still confused as to what is coming for double O next year. I know this is supposed to be some kind of stage performance, and uh, there's supposed to be some kind of um, maybe animated uh, OVA or something like that. I don't know what it is, but um, I'm just thrilled to see the old gang get back together, man. Uh, uh, I am I am happy to see. Uh, my boy Saji Crossroad, man. I'm I'm happy to see what desk job he's working. <laughs> still, still not, still not a meister. But now Graham Acres a Gundam meister, and he's half L's. You know, you know what, what, you know what, uh, Saji's doing, man. He's Ubering. <laughs> he's, he's doing, doing space Uber. Eats. He's doing Uber, Uber, Uber eats. eats. There you go. He's yep. expanded. He's expanded his business. <laughs> Delivering well, cheese. I've, I've seen some discussion about. Uh, how could you have a new double O thing set up to the movie where, you know, everything was peaceful and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, but for those who don't know, in all of the side materials, in the side stories, mm-hmm. um, the last, the epilogue of the double O movie jumps ahead a couple of decades. Yeah. And in the present, very soon after the main events of the movie, you have a war between basically the old types and all of the emerging um, innovators that have been activated. Wow, that's a, wow, that's wild. <laughs> and celestial being gets caught up in that war, so it would not surprise me if that's the basis for whatever this story is. Oh, that'd be cool. As Ed asked, what about Silver Graham? That's, that's what I'm curious about because we are all under the assumption that he died. Yet uh, they they uh, have revealed that in this story he's still around and he's been uh, 
he's been uh, pulled into the L's. He's been uh, assimilated with the L's. So um, I'm curious to see exactly what kind of guy he turns out to be now that that's happened. And, and piloting Exia of all things. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> How much he hated that suit. And freaking love the Exia, man. So to see him be piloting it, that's pretty dope. Um, the suit that he ended up fighting against throughout most of the series. So good stuff. Which, by well, the way, I, guys, I don't know about you all, but I have my for realsies pre-orders of the Double O Blu-rays on Amazon. Oh, yeah, wow. I do. I have them in the car. I just haven't done the pre-order yet. But yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. And, do and I got my my pre-order down for the complete season one of Orphans. I've actually been I've actually been kind of here and there when I get a moment or so rewatching Double O on Hulu. <laughs> Oh, like nice. I, I think I'm up to I think I'm up to about episode eight. Like whenever I have a moment or so, I just watch an episode. I'm I'm not doing a hard rewatch, but I'm just going through it here and there. Man, it's good. <laughs> and and, and tell us what good. what what are your thoughts all these years later about the the legend of the king? Oh, he still sucks. Oh, like, he, I I soul bro. Even outside of what I end up knowing. I didn't see where you. <laughs> I did not get where you're like. Watch my man now. He's still my man, dude. No, you know what he is. Mm-hmm. He's the audience. Yeah, he is. He very much he's is. He's the audience. Mm-hmm. He's he's the audience. He just. Ha- I mean, the first time when he says hello to Setsna, and Setsna just shoots him a look. <laughs> And then how badly Luis just, God, just slave drives. <laughs> just like, oh my God. I mean, oh. yeah, I, 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 I mean, you you saw something that most of us, really none of us saw. The, the, nobody else saw. I mean, <laughs> Not a soul. Yeah, I was the only I person. Mean, oh. In the... In the end, we, me and Chris and the thousands and thousands of people were validated that he didn't do much. I mean, oh, he didn't guys, do there's something where I do while we're, while we're on the subject of, of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, since since I haven't been around, we we have to, even though we know who it is, officially designate Solbro's man for build divers. Oh, shit. Oh. And you know, I have a we we all you guys have been watching right? I haven't I seen haven't it yet. No, I, I I I have the episodes queued up. I just haven't watched them yet. But I've seen I'm pictures of the guy. So, so chat yeah. room, we 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 know we know that it's it's Doji. Doji, it let me pull up his picture. Do, Doji D O J I. Let me see if I can yes. find it. So yeah, it is it is uh... a, a loser who likes piloting vegan suits. <laughs> oh, his no. pathetic ass has to cheat. Oh, he's a cheater? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. Get the fuck out of here. He's a, he's a big-time cheater, dude. Oh, yeah. this is... And he's got a horn? <laughs> People said that he reminds him of DK and Wootbit. He kind of looks a little... He's like an asshole. He is, yeah, he is, he is. He's got some DK in him. Oh, yeah. man. He does have some DK in him. He just looks like he's one shit away from clogging up the whole toilet. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's Cy Argyle for a new generation, according to Ed the Crimson. Oh! oh. Wow, Ed, that, that's kind of rough on, on Solbro's man, Cy. I mean... Because, once again, that is oh. one of Solbro's guys. And Yahtzee says, he cries like them and is a dick like Bootbit. He is a dick, yeah. He's a complete dick. 
Oh, besides the, yeah, yeah, one of the... the next stage of Solbro's man. Oh wow! If that's where evolution is going, kill us now. <laughs> I figure. I, figure, I uh, what, what are they called, Chris? The hacker, the 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 um, mass divers. Mass divers. Yeah. You know what I understand about Doji? Mm-hmm. So this takes place in a in a virtual MMO world. Your avatar can look whatever way you want. Yeah. Why do you make yourself look? Like a fat kid with your belly sticking out and a dumbass horn on your head. That's like, what I'm why saying. Would, why would you choose that as your avatar? It's like it's like what did you just not? Did you just stop giving a fuck? <laughs> it's like man, you could look like Superman in this place. Why would you want to look like yourself in the real world? I mean, I guess that's what he looks like in the real world, minus the horn, right? Not necessarily. Like I haven't seen episodes nine and ten yet, mm-hmm. but I'm really hoping that there's some reveal that he's like an eight-year-old girl or something oh, just yeah. just to like screw with you wow <laughs> doji uh, man well that's I, your boy that's your boy he's got a that j is. on his name like saji so uh, i don't know what to say and i'm a i'm a little disgusted and 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 hurt but uh pilots uh, aged loser suits oh does he use yeah. age suits yeah he's a, he's an age guy oh yeah, yeah he likes age suits well, you know what I, i'm a okay lot, with age a lot of the mass divers are um they got some loser suits yeah he liked the vegans so i guess that makes sense god dang man this that's this it hurts too much <laughs> what can you do but uh yeah man i i, I guess he's so broke you know, he, he also he um he I, he also with his age love is I kind of imagine is like the young version of that fat guy with the mask in age whatever his name was the one oh. that piloted the fat suit yeah it was just like a big face with arms mm-hmm. and legs that <laughs> stupid looking guy yeah <laughs> whose name is like I so forget. insignificant I can't be exactly. bothered to remember it I can't remember it either oh no um, but yeah I somebody in the chat will say but I it's like I can picture him. But I don't give a shit enough to actually go to the mecha profile for his suit and find his name. I just can't be arsed to do it. Yeah, it's it's not worth it's not but, worth the data. <laughs> anyway, yep. so now now that that has been accomplished, um, what were we talking about again? Oh, <laughs> uh, episode six of Gundam: The Origin, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the Rise yeah. of the Red Comet. Some of the, we were going through some of the things that we liked about it and some of the key points. Uh, Chris, you said some things you, you, you left off about um, how incompetent the Federation looked. Uh, <laughs> somehow we got, down a, we got down another thing and we ended up with uh, Doji. These rabbit holes. <laughs> so I don't think there's anything more to say regarding the Federation's incompetence and the uh, sort of scattered focus episode. Enjoyable, but not quite as on point as the first four, so um, I guess I'll kick it back to you, Neo, for us to go around and do our uh, our stars. Uh, Solbro, any uh, any things you didn't like? Um, anything that Chris didn't hit that maybe kind of bugged you a little bit? I uh, other than uh, not really. I mean, I, I just overall enjoyed it. I, I at the end of the day, I thought that the, the it was very well uh, very well paced. Um, and, uh, I just, I liked how it was, uh, overall produced and, um, I just had good vibes watching it the whole time. I, I, I was sad to see it end, but at the same time, it's like, well, now they can move on to something new, another OVA of sorts, if they're going to do another Gundam OVA in the near future. So, but I do have a couple tweets, um, from Yazi oh. real quick. 
Um, <clears throat> let me pull these up real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll get. Yeah, then we'll go. Uh, we'll give we'll our go to our ratings. Yep. Yazi says, "I didn't know the Federation fleet suddenly became UN Spacey for Macross too. Completely forgot <laughs> how to fight <laughs> because they don't have the best culture." <laughs> Good point, sir. Yeah, there was no Dennis around to remind him either. Oh my god! If Dennis was around, they would have won. <laughs> Rebel ship was like was the ship version of the Leo from Wing. It can take many shots as long as it as long as an important character is in it. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. And the last tweet he gives us is: I find it amusing in this app that we see some weapons that aren't used in the regular story in the manga, like the booster on the long axe and the sniper rifle for the Zaku's only in the Battle of Loom. That's a good observation. Yeah, you're right. We don't really. There's some specialty weapons we saw during this battle that yeah. completely get forsaken the rest of the series. Of course, that's retroactively the case because you know when they're doing this, they come up with new ideas and they implement them into the story. But yeah. Um, it's it's a bit of an idiosyncrasy. It's all about model sales, man. It's all about model sales and days. Weapon kits. Weapon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> follow at the Yazinator. Uh, sorry, at the underscore Yazinator on Twitter. Yazi, thank you for the tweets. As always, man, I appreciate it, sir. And um, back to you, Neil. Well, Chris, since you're kind of the special returning guest um, host for this episode. Give you the first um, chance at your ratings here. Uh, I'm going to give this, despite some flaws, still overall enjoyable. I'm going to give this one four booster axe chops out of five. Yes, sir. Ooh, split those, oh. split those bulkheads, boy. <laughs> so, so bro. For me, I'm you're, a, you're, you're ready. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I, I'll match Chris and I'll give it four. Casillas hiding in the shadows out of five. Yo, that lady had the murder glare the whole app, man. She can't wait to put a bullet in uh, in old, <laughs> in old Gary's head, man. I'm just sitting there looking at that gun on her hip. Is like, yo, when's it gonna happen? <laughs> it's like you, you you will get your bloodlust satisfied. Oh. You just got to go through like forty three episodes. <laughs> exactly, man. But she, she's gonna get hers. That's for that's for freaking sure. But yeah, I'll, I'll give it four out of five, sir. And uh, I'm gonna have to give it uh, also four out of five fake, four out of five fake Picassos. <laughs> you would have given it crystal vases if they freaking showed oh, up. Uh, yeah, honorable mention is the crystal vases. Yeah, but um, so uh, yeah, that was our thoughts and uh, things and opinions and lowlights, highlights, whatever you could think of when it comes to episode six. Gundam the Origin Rise of the Red Comet. So um Yeah. I guess we'll I guess we'll slowly wait what happens next uh next year. We'll we'll, we'll bring it back, Chris, on uh the fortieth year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 uh my my prediction, because both of you guys had kinda had a prediction, my prediction will be a Xeon centric one year war side story. <laughs> that, makes it, that makes these genocidal maniacs sympathetic oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so uh thank you chris for joining us on this and uh as always you can visit chris and uh visit what he does on mhq.net and um of course um you know he 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 wrote all of what we said tonight for us because he is the one that uh, influences all so (laughs) yes Chris, anything uh, before we head on out of here? 
Well, there is, of course, also the MHQ Facebook group mm-hmm. to visit. And uh, while we're here, since I haven't been here in a while, I'd like to give a very nice fuck you to Google. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. And so- so- Sobroden, of course, knows what this is about. YouTube. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So for those who don't know, uh, kind of a funny thing, in January, after Chaos Theory had already ended, started getting DMCA takedown email notices from Google, and it was about ancient episodes of Chaos Theater that used licensed anime music in our segment transitions. We're talking clips of just a couple of seconds here. Mm -hmm. So what was weird about it is the content's actually hosted on Libsyn. The Google stuff is just the Blogspot blog, but they would take down the posts. So I would edit and remove the link and then put the post back up. But then more complaints just started rolling in. Probably some company scanning for this anime music on behalf of the Japanese companies. And they just do all this stuff. It's automated requests. But eventually there were enough complaints in a very short span of time that Google labeled me a repeat offender. And then they sent me an email saying that they had deleted the blogs of Gundam, Chaos Theater, and Laplace's Box, and had banned me from Blogspot. Wow. And when I say deleted, not take down so you can archive or download anything. When I say delete, I mean they just hit the delete button and it's all gone. Gone. Wow. And and there's content that we lost. Uh, Not too much, but still it's like really dick move and like if you feel this was done in error you can appeal it's like i know you guys are not i know how this goes on youtube you guys are going to be useless and not be helpful to me in any way so why bother yeah so such that's if you've wondered why it is if you go to mhq and you click on any of the podcast links they just go to the forum and if you had those blogs bookmarked and they're broken links now well there's the story yeah and now all of these offending music clips still in the episodes on libsyn so yeah. i don't know what this content company was trying to you know accomplish all all those all those posts did was just draw people's attention to the episode so that way they could find they could download them or at least be notified that they were up or at least get information about the uh, about where the breakdown of the episodes were. There was nothing there for you know. Yeah, the actual only, content of there's just yeah, a link to the Libsyn which file, makes so. no damn sense. So we lost our websites over fucking nothing. You know, it's not like you know, it's not like we put it up on YouTube or something like that. It's on Libsyn, and it's a lot of times the music was related to what we were talking about. Not that it's an excuse, but it was just related to what we were discussing. It's just so, split seconds. And it's, Give mere seconds, but that's how fucked up these things are. And Chris brings up a great point: is it wasn't Libsyn; it's just a link to Libsyn. So that's that's a weird thing. But I got a feeling this is going to start probably happening a lot more. So yeah. Well, that that's why eventually Pedro stopped using uh, music from media like that because of these takedown notices. So you know, if you're if you're a podcaster. Or a streamer, beware of all of these takedown things because these companies are starting to get yeah. way more restrictive about this shit. And at first, I thought it was funny because oh, chaos theater is over, and now I'm getting hit by all these DMCA complaints. And then they went and deleted everything, and that just pissed me off because it was just so arbitrary and bullshit. 
Yeah. Well. I didn't want to appeal. I didn't want to like. I don't want to stir the hornet's nest because my Google account I've had for like 13 years. Exactly. My entire fucking life is in that Google account. Yeah, and that's the last yeah. thing you need to happen. I don't want to have any trouble with it. So it's like, well, yeah, I'll just. I don't care about well, Blockspot anyway. So fuck yeah. it. Well, it's not, it's not only that, but you start fighting it. Next thing you know, you're getting you're getting actual like certified mail from uh, lawyers' offices. <laughs> That's the other thing you don't want. So it's the same thing yeah. that YouTubers face when uh, they're faced with copyright strikes, and when you have two, you can't you can't um, counter against a third because that could get your channel completely obliterated so that's it's it's you don't want to risk it even though you know you might be in the right and that's 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 unfortunate man it's it sucks but uh they put us all on the back foot man like this and i i, I didn't dig when that happened man because that's that was 10 years that was 10 years of uh content that we posted on the site there's a whole history of uh yep. of posts that we put up there and people's interactions yeah. and things things like that gone so uh we're looking for a new uh a new place to host the podcast but i'm not yeah gonna i go used to get and, a I, yeah. I had that thing in the what is it the google news thing the yeah. app the iphone app mm-hmm. and i and had also it on the s- yeah sucks that all of the complaints were about chaos theater but they also deleted gundam and laplace's box just because they were associated with my account yeah it's super spoiled, wow. man fucking sucks but um at least uh mechatalk.net uh the official forums of mhq.net <laughs> you can go there and uh find all the posts for all the episodes that we've done hey, we're still on for, zoom uh, right <laughs> somewhere <laughs> i'm sure peter quill's listening to us right now <laughs> in in uh in, in you know, the, the spoilers as long as we're in the zoom store that's all that matters <laughs> No, guys, it's all about groove music now. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Or, no, wait, it's all about Xbox music. Oh, wait, no. Uh, yeah. Swing and a miss. <laughs> but, man, yo, Chris, it was so good to have you on today, man. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for being a part of this one, man. Especially, it's, it's always good when the, when the band gets back together, man. We've been, we've been doing well, but it, it's, 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 there's a certain groove when you get all the people back on the show and... uh if anything, I'm looking forward to the uh, 200th episode. We gotta, we gotta plan well, that out. But well, I mean, I, I have definitely, I have definitely missed this, and uh, you know, just to put it out there, I am semi-retired, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the future holds. Oh yeah, definitely, Chaos Theater is over. Uh, Pedro and I are very proud of of what we did for that show on those seven years that we did it and we talked about a lot of stuff we didn't get around to everything we wanted to do but we left it in a good place and we brought it full circle talking about Earthbound at the beginning and end so you know that's out there and he's off doing his own podcasting thing and you know maybe in a couple of years I'll miss podcasting enough that I want to get back into it but then maybe i won't and my life will be different then and we'll see so you know i'm not i'm not gone for good but yeah. don't expect to hear me every episode either yeah but you got the best of both worlds right now though it's like when you don't want to do it you don't have to do it but when you're like hey i will say uh, I'll, I'll echo soul bro i mean uh goddamn still is gonna go on we're still producing stuff uh, we actually have a big surprise. Even Chris will be surprised on something that we have slated um, for uh, a review. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the return. Of, we, is it the return of Bill Whipton? No, <laughs> no, it's not. We're actually gonna we um, we'll we'll probably do it in in a couple episodes here. Um, 
a show that we've always talked about, but we never even did with you on here on the regular cast. So, uh, because we've been kind of going a little old school. I don't know how much you've been catching up with yeah. us. Uh, we've been we've been pretty old school this year. Yeah, we've been, and, we've been running through um, uh, Tomino's earlier catalog <laughs> of like Daitarn three and uh, what was the one before that? Um, Zambot three. Zambot three. Yeah, we reviewed both of those. So um, coming up is uh, I think the next one that's in line. The uh, the um, the well, old. Uh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it to I'll leave it to people's imagination. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it, yeah. It, does it start with giant and end with God? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I really don't know. Um, but yeah, we uh, yeah, it was. I think maybe I think you could tell in, in our episodes, like the first one or two, we were. But we we we've been able to tap back into it. But yeah, it I, is. I know you guys have been doing Zambot, and you know the uh, the streams. It's like maybe this sounds weird, but it's it's uh, kind of weird to. Be on like, the other side. <laughs> be on the other side because I'm used oh, very to much so. wanting to like respond. Yes. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I'm not in it anymore. You, you, you know, it's kind of like uh, not as pathetic. But remember the the last episode of the Shield mm-hmm. at the end. Yes. When when Mackie <laughs> hears the police sirens, and he gets excited for a second. Then he looks out the window, yeah. all forlorn, because it's like, oh, that's not my life anymore. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm Big Mackie in this scenario. There you go. Um, <laughs> Yo, that's, that's... Your podcasting's Vic Mackie, Chris Watch. <laughs> I don't know which one of you is Shane in this scenario. Not me. Not Shane. <laughs> that must make me Lemonhead. <laughs> I get blown up all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Usually by yourself. Oh my god! While eating a sandwich. (laughs) Grenade in the sandwich, (laughs) boom! Oh, good stuff. But, But, uh, man. Solbro, you want to give some of our links and all that stuff? Yeah, don't just make it fast. MHQ.net. That's the Mecha Anime Headquarters. That's the home of your mecha madness man go there check it out read the reviews uh chris you covering um you covering, uh, covering build divers right now right you doing reviews for that um pretty nope. far behind i've been oh, busy with other projects uh my whole thing this year since leaving gundam is doing a total line art replacement for every oh. gundam anime show oh word oh. whoa so that believe me takes quite a while oh, i'm shit, up I... to I don't know if I, fin- I was doing Destiny. I don't know if I finished it yet. And now I'm doing Build Fighters profiles. So I've been uh, distracted, but I've also not been digging Build Fighters that much, Build oh. Divers that much. So it's like not a loss that I'm behind. Damn. Well, hey, when, when, when check out the uh, updates to the line art over at mahq.net when you guys have the time. Uh, Looks a lot better now. Man, shit. HD, baby. Yeah, it does, it actually. 4K, y'all. No. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> 5K. of uh, we mentioned earlier, is the official forums of MAHQ. Go there, join up, join the conversation. Find us on MAHQ. You guys see the uh, link in the chat, facebook.com slash group slash MAHQ. And, of course, uh, check us out on Twitter. You see the uh, uh, at Gundam at MAHQ and MAHQ.net. And um, Gundam.net is on hiatus, but uh, be on the lookout. We'll let you guys know <laughs> when that is back on point. <laughs> I was going to say, where, what about the block spot? Tell them about the block Ooh, spot. <laughs> once upon a time. But uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it. And also, if you uh, guys, uh, 
haven't subscribed to us here, here on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, and uh, thank you very much for doing so. Yeah, or, or if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes. Yeah, iTunes, please subscribe, subscribe to, to us, us on the iTunes, and give a and, comment. And, and leave a comment. <laughs> and also, um, if you can, uh, we also stream over on uh, uh, twitch.tv slash level 9 as a level underscore N-I-N-E as a oh, backup stream. Too? Yeah, I do it simultaneously with the YouTube for those who want to oh, watch on Twitch. That. So, um, so if you guys ever want to watch on Twitch, you can. Um, we do it on both. So, thank you very much for uh, watching and I appreciate that, guys. And back to you. Oh, Nate. I got one last thing for you. What's up? Uh, for anyone who wants to keep up with the further podcasting adventures of Pedro, he's got two other shows that he's Ooh. on through a group called Artistic Vibes down in South Florida. One of them is called Talking Geek and they talk about uh, all sorts of geeky things kind of similar to chaos theater but with more booze and more cursing if you nice. can imagine that <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? And, and the other is called uh brunchen and dragons oh wow that's nice <laughs> and dragons. On, that's cool. on sundays and they basically are doing D campaign with alcohol which can take the form of mimosas or bromosas hence the name brunchen and dragons oh my God. i was about to say so they're playing dungeons and dragons while drinking mimosas on a sunday morning afternoon <laughs> yes. that's, pretty, that's pretty that's that's a great concept <laughs> wow yep. so you can you can find those on uh podcasting services and hear what uh he's doing so if you're kind of looking for a fix post chaos theater then talking geek will be pretty close to it that's what's up man yo shout us to pedro man if anything i'm glad to see he's still got something going and um chris man again thank you for being on tonight man if anything it's a it's a blast from the past absolutely man you mean a blast from six months ago it is <laughs> still the past you 2017 <laughs> But even though the episode didn't come out until just now, oh yeah, for real, <laughs> it took a while. It did take some time. My God, but yes, yes, exposed. Are we up to date, so bro? No, we're no, we still. Now. I still got. I still got to bridge the gap, but uh, we're almost there. So we'll get that. We'll get the other episodes up. I've got some time this weekend to to, to get these episodes up there. So, but uh, for those who want to get caught up on our episodes, you can watch them all. Watch the uh, the ones that we have here on YouTube.com slash Gundam. MAHQ. So they're all up here, and you guys can uh, get caught up that way for the time being. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and keep an eye out because uh, me and Solbo, Solbro will be returning with a uh, live stream Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday. We're, we're, we'll so. be watching. Uh, finally, we're going to be watching the new LOGH guys. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see some Kirky Ice guys. I'm excited to see him, but we'll oh. we'll see what happens. About, about freaking time. <laughs> yeah, he's a new he's show, trying... old show. As long as you watch some Galactic Heroes, you know yeah. it doesn't, doesn't really matter. There you go. There you go. That's the Pretty spirit. Much. So, all right. Well, we'll t uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with episode 198. Gundam and MHQ. Later. MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint.